Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. To, to preach, hallelujah, thank you, Pastor Blake. Um, you know, something God has really laid on my heart here in the last week or so, just getting to know uh, this congregation and, uh, you know, just stepping in and just uh, getting to know you guys and just being a part of what God's doing, I, I see how how God has just been ministering to us through uh, pastor's messages. And, and uh, last week, uh, he preached on Sunday about the will of God. He was talking about how, you know, there's a permissible will of God, and there's a, a, a perfect will of God. And I've looked back in my own life, and I thought of all the different things that, that have gone on in our lives uh, and how we've had to just kind of uh, adjust ourselves and, and call on God to get us where he wants us to be. Amen? And so tonight, I felt like it was... I really feel like God put this message on my heart. I wrote it out, and I'm just going to trust the Lord to help me here. But I got a lot of good thoughts that I really want to, for you to understand. And I want to title this message, The Call to Christian Commitment. A lot of people call themselves Christians. A lot of people, uh, they, they go to church, and, 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 you know, they even get involved and do some things. But, you know, there's something about uh, the, the call to Christian commitment. You know, when we come to church, this is different than just going to work. When you go to work, you know there's a duty that you have to perform. You go to work, you clock in, you have to sign in, whatever the case might be. You report to somebody. When we come to church, it is a commitment-based ministry that we are involved in. So when we come into this place, there's nobody watching you. There's nobody, uh, you know, slapping you or, or got a whip in the back, snapping you in the line. But it's something that we have to understand what the Christian commitment is in our lives. If you have your Bibles, if I turn to Isaiah chapter 60, verse 22. For the sake of time, I have quite a few scriptures tonight. Uh, so we have them up here on the board if you'd like to read those. It says, the least of you, it says, a little one shall become a thousand and a small one a strong nation. I, the Lord, will hasten, hasten it in its time. Acts chapter 17, verse 6, it says, these that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this night, Lord, this opportunity to minister your word. I pray, God, that you open the hearts of your people, Lord. Open every one of our hearts and our minds to receive this word. God, I pray that we would uh, take this word and we would uh, absorb it, we would chew on it, Lord, and we would just put our, our, our feet in action according to the word that you ministered to our hearts tonight, Father. I thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So here in this particular passage of scriptures I read in Isaiah, the, 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 this prophet Isaiah, and, and this is a real good time to be talking about Isaiah because there's a lot of Bible prophecy in the book of Isaiah. And especially with the 9-11, all that's going on today, all the, 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 the ceremonies and celebrations that are going on in this world today, we need to understand that God is preparing for him his return. Amen? The Lord is coming back for us. But this prophet Isaiah, he speaks of a thousand, a hundred thousand percent increase. Now, if we were to apply that to, to commerce or agriculture or different things in our lives, this would turn the complete world upside down. Things would, uh, it would be, it would be ma a magical thing. Amen? And this is the reputation that those Christians who went to this place called Thessalonica, that's a hard word to say, but it's there, I promise you. And they go for three days. They shared their faith in Christ with others. And listen to this. We're charged with the turning of the world upside down. 
They were charged with this. They were, it wasn't just, would you like to? Um, are you available to? But no, they were charged with turning the entire world upside down. Just like you and I today, we are charged with turning this world upside down. Amen? So why had this little band of Christians, this, this little band, this little group of Christians made such a tremendous impact on their world? You ever asked? Ask the question yourself. Uh, because they were genuinely committed to something. The reason they were able to make a difference, the reason that this church is able to make such a difference in this city is because we are a committed people to the work of God. And I'm not talking about works, getting to heaven by works. I'm talking about ministering the gospel of Jesus Christ and seeing lives transformed and changed. Where people come into the house of God and they surrender and they give their life to God. And, and all because of one word that you speak to somebody, you can change their life. And because of that one word that God gave you to speak to somebody, there's a transformation in that person's life. Do you know that sometimes we need a match put underneath our, our rear end? I mean, I know that's not proper English in church, but guess what? I is who I is. Hallelujah. Amen. And sometimes we need a little spark. We need a little flame. We need a little, a little word or a little, maybe, maybe it's a, a little punishment or correction brought to us to help us to get on board with what God is doing. Now, let me tell you something. These people were genuinely committed. And the secret is exactly the same today for you and I as it was then. Genuinely committed Christians is what we need to be. See, in our world, it can be uh, turned upside down uh, uh, again for Jesus when Christians hear and respond to the call of Christ. You see, and until we do that, until we respond to this call, then, then God can only do so much. God already promised us what he's able to do, but he's also said that it is up to you and I to do this. Amen? So when Christians hear and respond to the call of Christ in commitment, that is when God is able to do what God wants to do in someone's life. So number one, I want to take a look at Christian commitment. It calls for giving up. Amen? How many have ever given up? I guarantee you when the police come after you and they got a gun pulled out on you and they say, get your hands up, you're going to give up. Well, the smart ones will. Amen? The ones that aren't too smart, you're going to run or you're going to do what you got to do. But guess what? They're going to get you. Amen? What you going to do when they come for you? You ever watch that show? My wife and I, we've gone through so much in the past year and a half. We, we laid in the bed probably for eight months straight after, after dinner was done, cleaned up in the kitchen. We ran to that bed so we could watch cops every single night. Before you know it, we were singing, what you going to do? What you going to We were changing the tone and everything. We were, we were just making it happen. And she was looking at things different. She was like, you know, I come from the streets, so I kind of understand it all. But she's wondering, man, I didn't know that was the way they did that. Oh, man, where's the cops? That guy needs to get caught. This needs to happen. You know, you're always, now you're, now you're looking for things, but there's a giving up when we're talking about being committed as a Christian. You say, well, I've already given up. I've given this. I've given that. Well, listen to this. In, in the Bible, in Luke chapter 14, verse 33, in the New International Version, I'm going to read out of a couple different translations, but Jesus made this very clear. He said, those of you who do not give up everything that you have, cannot be my disciples. Huh. It got real quiet in here. Thank God for the motor on that AC unit, amen, or it'd be real quiet in here. Well, what are you, what are you giving up? You ever ask the question? God, what is it you want me to give up? Well, a giving up of worldliness is, is required. 
I remember the story of a young man. He was a wealthy young man. He lived in this mansion home, and when you walked into his house, it was an extravagant home. It was gorgeous. It had beautiful crystal chandeliers hanging from the ceilings. Now, let me tell you something. I've been in some real fancy houses. I've been in a house. It was a house that Bill Gates owned part of the house, and it was his dot-com, very first dot-com partner, and we were, we were doing some work in their home. And this house, when I walked up to, when we drove up to the house, Matter of fact, I was so excited about this house because it looked like a Las Vegas resort. Honestly, I mean, it had the pillars, it had the driveway that went up and all the way around. I mean, it was gorgeous under the house parking garage with a car wash when you pull into your garage. And I'm telling you, this house was unbelievable. One of the, it's one of the biggest houses in Colorado Springs. It's only 20,000 square feet. I don't know if you could live in that, but, you know, it's only 20,000 square feet. But I remember looking at this house, and I'm thinking of this story of this man. His house reminded me of this home. Everything you looked at was beautiful. The wood was gorgeous, hand-carved. It was custom-built. Everything was so gorgeous. This man is in his home, and he has everything that the world has to offer him. But we're talking about being able to give up something for God. This man, he lays down, goes to bed. In the middle of the night, he gets a, here's a knock at the door, and he jumps up at the door, and he runs to the door, and he, he runs over, and it's the, and it's the devil. It's the, it's the devil. It's, uh, who, who was it? It was, the, um, it was the demons. The devil sends demons uh, to his door, and the demons are, he's pushing the demons off, and one of the demons has his foot in the door, and it took him three hours to fight this demon. Finally, he slammed the door shut, and he, he, he's able to go back to his room, and he rests. But before that, Jesus comes into, the, he, he comes into this guy's house, and Jesus, he says, Jesus, I'm going to give you this room back here. It's the best room in the house. It's beautiful. The chandeliers, there's a hot tub. The bed uh, will do anything you need it to do. It's the most amazing place you could ever sleep. And Jesus is in this room sleeping. Devil comes back. Sends his demons the next day, knock at the door. Here he is. He opens up the door, and those demons attack him. There was, there was hundreds of demons that came after this man. And this man went back to his bed. He couldn't even sleep. He goes and lays on the chair, and he restlessly slept all night. And he, he gets up in the morning. He says, I'm going to talk to Jesus. I was sharing this with a brother in the church here just this week. He says, I'm going to talk to Jesus, and I'm going to ask Jesus, why, Jesus, when the demons came to my door and tormented me and beat me up in the middle of the night, you were asleep in, that, in the best room in my house. He said, why didn't you get up and help me? Why didn't you hear the rustling, and why didn't you come in here and, and, and defend me because I was being tormented? Jesus said, well, you only gave me this part of your home. He said, and I had rain in that room. I had power in that room. I had authority in that room. Nothing was going to come against us in this room because this is the room you gave me. This is the room that I was given to protect. This is the room that I had power over. Actually, he had power over everything, but that was all he had been given. That's all you're willing to give to him. And then the next day, same thing happens. Now, the young man comes out. He finally says, Jesus, I'll give you the whole house. I mean, he finally woke up. How many would wake up after that and say, Lord, I'm giving you the whole house? This story is not a new story. We know the story. But here's the thing. This man says, Jesus, I'm giving you reign of the home. Hallelujah. He said, I give it all to you. And then the next day, that night, the demons came knocking at the door. And Jesus himself opens the door up. And those demons said to him, he says, oh, I think we got the wrong house. He says, we got the wrong house. There was no fight. There was no battle. Sometimes we're fighting a battle. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. 
So we have to give up worldliness. We have to give up the things that control us in our lives. Uh, Titus 2.12, it says, Paul asserts here in the Bible, he says, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. See, you may be saying, I may be a lot of things, but one thing I am not, I'm hardly ungodly. A lot of people say that. There, a lot of church people say, well, you're calling me out. Listen, I'm a, I'm a godly man. I'm, I'm saved. I'm, I'm right with God. I was on the phone with somebody today, and I asked him, how you doing? And he says, well, man, I'm telling you what, I'm doing better than ever. I got the victory in my life. It, God is good to me. God is doing this. I've never been so good in my life. I said, well, how's your problem with alcohol? How you, you know, because, you know, we just call it out. I said, well, how's your problem with alcohol? Well, he says, well, you wouldn't believe it, but alcohol don't even bother me no more. I just do it, and oh, my goodness. And I didn't say a whole lot. I hope he makes it through the night because tomorrow he's coming to do some work in my house. Okay? And I'm not going to tell you who he is or anything. Not in this church. He's not here. So don't worry about that. Don't be looking around. I'll be looking. Who is it? He doesn't come here. But I began to deal with him, and tomorrow we're going to deal with this man because let me tell you something, you cannot be satisfied with drinking booze and thinking that it's all right. You cannot think that you're right with God in right standing with the Lord because if you think that way, then you're just like this man I just talked about where he has given God only a very specific place in his home. We have to overcome. We have to control these things in our lives. What does the word ungodly mean? It means Exactly what it says, unlike God. Well, I ain't unlike God. I love the Lord. Well, loving God and being unlike God is two different things. So to the degree that you are not like God or as God wants us to be. Amen? Because God has a different plan than we do. See, in this world, in your actions, in your thoughts, you are ungodly. You ever been around somebody, all they want to do is tell dirty jokes? You've been around somebody when, you know, when they're not in church. I mean, in church, it's hallelujah, glory to God. God is good. He's almighty. He's powerful. But when they're out in the world, it's a different story. You know, I is who I is when I'm in church and when I'm out in the streets. And so God is, you know, he's doing his work. See, now Pastor Blake's going to torment me about wearing a sweater, amen? Because I'm always, I'm always, I'm really not hot. I just sweat a lot, Amen. Glory to God. So here we are in, our, in this world or in our actions and our thoughts. Maybe there's something that is not godly in our life. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 13, verse 22. And I'll tell you this, worldliness makes God ineffective. Okay, did you hear that? You say, well, God is God. He's almighty. He can do anything he wants. Yes, he can. But worldliness makes God's, his word is what I mean. It makes his word ineffective. Not, not necessarily God ineffective because God could do what he wants, but his word will be ineffective if there's worldliness in our life. Listen to this. The worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. Amen? So worldliness hinders your own spiritual growth. It does. It'll hinder your spiritual growth. Psalms 66, 18, if you regard, regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. That's pretty scary. So things unlike God, uh, unlike God, have a way of turning the heavens to brass when we pray. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
When you pray, you ever feel like your prayers aren't touching heaven? And I'm not saying, I mean, there's Christians that really battle with this too, where we're just get, trying to get a hold of God, and we, we just wonder, God, where are you? Anybody like that in this place besides me? Hallelujah. You just wonder, but listen to this, when there's, when there's sin or when there's something in our life that we're not willing to give up, it makes it very difficult to pray. So a giving up of any possible means of retreat is required. Luke chapter 9 Verse 62, Jesus said, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Amen? Worldly associates may be a means of retreat. Now, I want you to listen to this carefully. Worldly associates may be a means of retreat to no longer allow worldly people to be your closest friends. Let me tell you something. It's not self-righteousness. Oh, I can't believe he's telling me this, that I can't hang around with these worldly people. I'm, I've been friends with these people all my life. You know, I'm a, I'm a Denver Bronco fan, and, man, I'll tell you what, everyone that hates the Broncos sent me a text after we got killed by the Raiders. And it doesn't bother me anymore. Back in the day, I would have got a plane ticket, and I would have went home, and we would have been boxing. Amen? That's the way it would have worked. But anymore, it doesn't bother me. But it's amazing to me, the people that call themselves Christians, the things that they send to me, that they probably copy and paste it off of uh, InstaFrame and all that garbage, whatever you call that, and they're sending me all these things, and I'm looking at them, and there's cuss words and everything in the language. Well, you know, my, the, the, the thing I like to do is I just don't respond. So if you're off the wall, you ain't going to get a response from me. And then the next time you text, because now you're trying to realize that you made a mistake and you're sending me another text and say, hey, man, I was just joking, having fun. You're not going to get a response from me. Because to me, it's not funny. Because I don't hang around with people that are going to act like that. Now, I'll hang around someone that's, that's not, saved, not saved. I mean, I'm not saying hang around all the time. But I'll, I'll, I'll partake and I'll be there with them and share a conversation, whatever the case might be. But when it starts to get worldly, then it's a whole different ballgame. I've got to separate myself from that, and it is not self-righteousness, amen? It's called common sense. People that don't make it in their walk with God is because they find themselves associating with people who are dragging them down instead of lifting them up. And even though Christ associated with sinners to help them, listen to this, he made Christian men his closest associates. Did you hear what I said? His closest friends were men of God. I didn't say perfect people. I said they were men of God. They loved the Lord. They loved Jesus. They loved to be around him. They loved to learn from him. They were uninterested in what he had to say. So questionable habits may be a, a means of retreat. I said questionable habits may be a means of retreat. 2 Thessalonians 5.22, Paul urges us to abstain from all appearances of evil. Avoid the appearances of evil. Of all evil, it says. Amen? So number two, Christian commitment calls for a devotion. Matthew 22, verse 37, Jesus said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. Amen? Every bit of it. This type of devotion, it's to be stable and unchanging. I'm talking where you have a communication, a relationship. Listen, the Bible says in James 1, 6 through 8, James says that God cannot count on a person whose devotion is fickle. What do you think of that? 
I mean, that's straight out of the Bible. I'm not, I'm not making this stuff up. I mean, he's saying that God can't have a relationship with me if my relationship with my word of God is fickle. I'm only doing it when I feel like it. I only, I only need it when I'm, when I'm going to preach. And, you know, it's, it's a sad thing that, that people don't see us read our word more. I was in the Starbucks today, and this guy, it, it, he, he had his Bible out. Man, I'm telling you what, I, there was a line of people standing by this guy. He must have been an anointed man of God. I couldn't get a word in. I was trying to get over there. They were talking about some catering business. He had a barbecue cater business, and I got to thinking, man, I need to get this guy's number. I said, why would I do that when we got a, 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 a barbecue king right here? One, I mean, I'm thinking, you know, I've eaten at his house once. I mean, I'm still full from that day. <laughs> that was at the rally <laughs> in March. Glory to God. I didn't say I look full, so don't look at me like that. Hallelujah. But, you know, there's something when we, when we have a strong relationship with God and, and we're able to talk and breathe and eat and sleep, nothing but God. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm not talking about being super spiritual, but, but it wouldn't be a bad thing for some of us to be super spiritual. It wouldn't be a bad thing for some of us to just, you know, just act a little uh, like, like a holy roller. Hallelujah. Get a little bit fanatical, amen? Listen, people that know me, they know I'm not cussing. They know I'm not out drinking, chasing wild women. They know that I am serving God, and on Wednesday night, I'm going to church. They know on Sunday morning, I'm going to church. That means they're not going to invite me. Listen, we closed the church down in Costa Rica, not the one that, that it was before Pastor Blake uh, turned the church over to us in, in, in Costa Rica. We were pastoring a church, and the whole church, I found a flyer on the floor. I reached over, my wife finds this little flyer, picks it up, brings it over to me. She says, well, look at this. They're doing a baby shower. Now, listen, many things had happened before this. So it wasn't just like we just dropped the hammer and, and we're just the bad guys. No, there was probably 150 other things that happened before that. But she finds this flyer. It's a baby shower for someone in the church. And it was for 10 o'clock on Sunday morning. Can you say that again just like that? Really? <laughs> this preacher ain't lying. And I tell you what, we were spitting mad. I jumped up there to preach. It was the next weekend is when the, when the baby shower was going to be. I get up there to preach, and I said, I put my sermon aside, and I stood there. I mean, I closed it all up, and I just began to talk about faithfulness, commitment. I'm I begin to talk about, you hey, listen, we're not playing games here. They showed up one weekend. We were doing a cleanup in the neighborhood. We were doing a, an outdoor crusade. Do you remember that outdoor crusade we did in Veracruz uh, up at the top? The guys, all the leaders in the church, they come by and they say, we can't believe it, but where's Pastor Mario? Can't believe it. Everybody showed up here. And where's Pastor Mario? And my wife and her, her father and, and uh, her mother, who is Pastor Ron Jones, and, and his wife, they were in the car driving through the neighborhood, and they heard these people saying that. Where is Pastor Mario? I can't believe it. The pastor doesn't even show up to help us work. First of all, you don't understand the labor that's involved in pastoring. It's nonstop. When you get to go to bed at night, believe me, our pastor's working. You know what? You know where I was? I was in the manhole. I was in the street, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a drain pipe in the road. And this is Costa Rica. This ain't the United States of America. I was down inside the manhole, not in the hole. I, I squeezed through the concrete in the curb. And I was down there pulling out all the stuff so that we can get the water to flow because the rain would build up and it would, it would, it would pile up the rain. We couldn't get the water out of there. But that's where I was when they were saying, where's the pastor? 
Isn't it amazing how, you know, you're just trying to serve God. You're just trying to be involved. But people can drag you down. Things can happen in your life. But I'm going to tell you the truth. That same service, when we, when we got into that church service, I was telling the story about how that Sunday I told everybody, I said, we're having church here next Sunday. This party is canceled. I said, it's canceled. We're not having a baby shower. We'll do the baby shower at someone else's house, or we'll do it in the church sometime this week, but it's not going to be Sunday morning. <laughs> well, Sunday morning, glory to God, we had our spit shine shoes on, and we were cleaned up, ready for church. My wife and I and Pastor Carlos and Gloria, who, who we're going to meet here real soon. Uh, Pastor Blake will tell us more about that uh, after the service maybe. But um, we were there, and we were standing at the door, and guess what? 9.45 shows up. 9.15, 9.30, 9.45, nobody. 9.50, 9.55, nobody showed up. 9.56, believe me, you're counting every second down. <laughs> nobody showed up. One person showed up. Outside of, outside, it, it was a person in the church. Uh, it was a, actually, it was a newcomer, but you know what? We were, we were hurt over this, but we stood at the gate. I called my pastor that day, and I said, Pastor Jones, I said, I, said, I need some counsel. He says, Say no more. He said, shut the church down. He said, tonight when you come to church, he said, I want you and Pastor Carlos, I want you both standing outside the front gate of the, of the church, put a padlock on the door, turn all the lights off in the church, and when they come in, he said, tell them the church has been closed. I, that's exactly what I said. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And here they come, Sunday night, about, five, about 4.45, we had service at 5, rolling down the road. They're coming down with these big bowls of all the leftover food. And they're walking down the street, bringing all this food to us. And, you know, they're, now they're ready to, to, to party in the church. Man, it's, I'm telling you what, we missed this morning. It wasn't the fact that they missed church when they did. It was the fact that the way it was done and the correction was brought to it and they did nothing about it. We told them, you know what, we're not, we're not, gonna, we're not here to play. You can take your food back home. Guys can have your party at the house. Go have church in your homes. There's a church down the road. There's another church over here. But you know what, this church is closed. And listen, I know that hurts. I know that when you stop and think about that, it, it sounds wrong. But let me tell you something. It was 100% right. You know what God did? God brought those people, and that's when the transition happened, where we went into Pavas, and I had already told Pastor Blake, I am not taking your church. We sat one morning, and we talked, and, and I said, I am not doing it. I was still in my little rebellious age. It was okay to pioneer a little church here and over here and over here, but to take that church, I mean, it was a, it was a, a grown church. And I'm, he said, I, I, I'm not taking it. But guess what God did? God turned it, and God spoke to me in the middle of the night one day, and I called Pastor Blake, and I said, listen, I said, I heard the voice of God. I said, he told me to take the church. We took the church, and let me tell you something. Those people from that area, and I'm talking about an hour and 30 minutes away on a bus. They rented a bus every single Sunday morning, and they came all the way down. They couldn't do it in their own neighborhood, but they rented a bus, and 45 to 50 of them came down to Pavos in a bus. And they did that for a long time. So let me tell you something. Sometimes we regret, we regret what God has for us we, because of decisions that we make, because of being hard-headed, because of being stubborn, because of not being willing to give up something in our life. We get hard-headed and we end up losing out on what God has for us in that particular place of our life. Amen? God brings it all back around and he begins to work through us. In 19, listen to this. In 19, I'm sorry, 1872, Henry Varley said, the world has yet to see what God can do with and for and through 
and in a man who is fully and wholly consecrated to him. This world's yet to see it. That's many years ago, 1872. We're now 2019, and we can say the same thing. The world has yet to see what God can do with and for and through and in a man who is fully and wholly consecrated to him. D.L. Moody said, with God's help, I will be one of those men, and he did it. Amen? Your pastor, Pastor Blake, our pastor said, he said, I'm going to do it. Amen? He's doing it. Are we doing it tonight? Are we stepping in and saying, I accept the role that God has me in to be a faithful man or woman of God, to, to see souls saved, to see lives transformed? Number three, Christian commitment calls for a contention. In the book of Jude, chapter 3, oh, I'm sorry, Jude 3, not, not chapter 3, but Jude 3, says, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. How many remember the battle of Iwo Jima? It was before this battle in Iwo Jima, the landing craft loaded with our invasion forces circled out away from the shore waiting for the signal to land. And when the flag dropped, they were committed to this battle. I said when the flag dropped... They were committed to the battle. See, that was no time to request a furlough. That was no time to request a discharge. Do you understand what I'm talking about today? I'm talking about being in the battle. The battle was on, and as far as we are concerned, the flag has been dropped, hallelujah, amen, to this battle that we're in today. I said the race has begun, glory to God. The flag has been dropped, and the war is on, and you and I have to be totally committed to this battle. As Jeremiah proclaimed, a sound of battle is in the land. You remember when he said that? We're going to take this land. Amen? We need to, we need to understand that. So some have never engaged in this battle. One of the things I found interesting, I found this quote uh, this, uh, in a book I was reading. It said, uh, a nation never poses a threat to another nation when it is torn with eternal civil war. This might be our problem. This might be your problem today. Your personal battle must be fought and won before you can give yourself entirely to God's plan. Your personal battle, it must be fought and won. Your addiction that you have in your life, it must be fought. It must be won. Do you understand what I'm saying to you this evening? It's something that we have to overcome. Listen, you can't change yourself, but the battle that you're in, you can understand that you cannot do this alone. Your personal battle must be fought and won before you can give yourself entirely to God's battle. Because God is at battle for us. My wife and I have this conversation almost every single day. We battle with things in our family and things that are going on. But, you know, sometimes our mind battle, with the battle that we are in, in God's battle, we are not releasing God the authority to do what he wants to do in that battle. We get ourselves in the way. So get the matter uh, uh, settled before God. So you don't, you don't have to keep fighting the same battle again and again and again. You ever heard that song before? I'm fighting the same battle over and over and over. All day long. It's not really a song. I'm just, I'm just kidding. It's just over and over and over. You find yourself in the same problem. 
You find yourself going through the same thing all day long, and you seem like you can never get away from it so that you do not have to keep fighting the same battle again and again and again and again. Then take to the battlefield and conquer new ground for God. You see, great victories will be won in this battle. They're going to be won in this battle. Uh, a man by the name of uh, Lord Nelson describing his victory over the French in the Battle of the Nile said that victory was not big enough a word to describe what had happened. The Apostle Paul, he tells us that the word conquer is not adequate to describe the victory that comes through Jesus Christ. We're more than conquerors. I said we're more than conquerors. You know, sometimes we, we have a battle going on in our minds. And I want you just to listen to the Holy Spirit for just a moment as He's speaking to you. Sometimes we feel insecure in many areas of our life because of the battle that we've put ourselves in. Now, this battle is right where you need to be. God is at work in this battle. And see, the problem is, is that this battle where we are and all the circumstances that are going on in our lives, you're supposed to be there. Talk to my wife and my kids. We're supposed to be in this battle. This is where God has us. You say, well, my marriage is, 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 is in shambles. Guess what? God has you right there in that moment for such a time as this. I'm not saying that God says we should all have a marriage problem. No, that's not what God's plan is for our life. But because we're in this, plan, in this battle, we have to understand that we're not in our battleground. We're in God's battleground. Our, our faith needs to be with God in this time of battle. This trial, and listen, it, it's not easy. It's not an easy thing. But you know what happens is Jesus is standing here and he's knocking at our hearts and he's just knocking and knocking and knocking. And some of us don't have the attention span to even open the door because we're so busy in life and we're letting all the insecurities of life come in and destroy and hurt and just painfully hurt us. I've been there. I know what I'm talking about. It's so easy to just let the devil come in and just pound you at the door of your own home, in your own business, in your own life, in your own thought life. This right here, like Pastor Blake said on Sunday, the mind is, is the battleground for the devil. He loves it. He gets into the mind. He begins to destroy. He begins to lie to you and tell you you're worthless. Nobody loves you. Nobody cares about you. But when you are fully committed to God, when you are fully submerged in His presence and you are humble before the Lord, you say, I don't ask God to humble me because that's a dangerous prayer. I ask God, now I just confuse myself. Say it again. I humble myself before the Lord. Okay? God, don't humble me. No, 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 no. I humble myself before you, Lord. Some people get crazy with it, but I'm telling you what, humble yourself before the Lord. You teenagers, when you go into that battlefield, let me tell you something. Us adults that are out here, we don't even know what you guys have been are going through right now. We don't know. It wasn't like that when we were young, young people. It wasn't like it. The, the perversion, the, 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 the lust, the, 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 the open conversations, the, you know, the, they just speak about they're gay, they're this and that, they have a right, they can do whatever they want to do. I got news for you. You cannot do what you want to do. 
because we live according to the Word of God. My kids never tell me I'm stupid. I'm just going to tell you that right now. My kids all have their teeth. I want you to look at my kids' teeth. After this service, look at my kids. they got beautiful smiles. They don't tell me I'm stupid. My kids don't tell me no. My kids don't flip me off and, and give me the bird and, and, and sassafras me. It don't happen. Am I abusive? No. Not at all. But when it comes to obeying God's word and living, man, I'm telling you something. Pastor Blake's going to get us to heaven. He says, follow me as the Apostle Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. We're following a good man. This is a good leader. This is a good church. Hallelujah. We're so glad to be a part of it. Thank you. With every head bowed and every eye closed tonight, in reverence to the Lord. You know, there are some here tonight. You're here today. Maybe you're in church for the very first time. You've never given your life to Jesus Christ. You say, Pastor, I'm away from God and I've never surrendered. I've never given my life to Christ. And tonight I want to humble myself and I want to give my life to Jesus. Would you pray for me? Just If that's you, just lift your hand up tonight. I want that privilege, the opportunity to pray with you. You say, I'm not saved. I'm not right with God. Maybe you're here. Maybe you've been saved before. Maybe you've been saved many times. But you're here tonight and you say, Pastor, I am, I am, I am living with sin in my life. And I'm not pleased with it. You know, many times Christians will wait until there's a, a consequence. Or they wait till they've been caught. Before they open up and confess to God. I'm not asking for you to confess to me. We don't, we don't want that. We want you to get right with God. And tonight here you have an opportunity to give your life to Jesus Christ, to change your life. I'm looking out in this crowd and I'm seeing people that have very recently made a fresh commitment to God. And I see a commitment that has been made. Let me tell you something. If you say, I'm just going to go to church when I feel like it, you are not going to make it. You have to be around good, solid preaching. You have to be around people that are like-minded and people that love the Lord with all their hearts. Or you will not make it. So if you're in this place tonight, you're away from God, you're backslidden, you got some sin in your life, you want prayer, just lift your hand up. I want to pray for you. Put it up, put it right back down. I see these hands. How many more all over this place? Don't be afraid. Come on. Teenagers, don't be afraid. We're here to pray for you. Yes, amen. I felt it in my spirit that God was going to touch somebody tonight. He's already confirmed that. How many more? All over this place. Let's all stand to our feet tonight if we would. I want to open up this altar. And I want to open this altar for every single person in this place. You say, I need a fresh Christian commitment to God. I, I, you, you might say, well, I'm one of those guys. I'm one of those ladies that, that you know, has just given the Lord just one section of my home. Every day, I, I, I mean, I, I, I'm blown away by what God does. I'm blown away by it. You know, God will give you magical. I'm not saying magical. I'm not going to say that. God will give you words, anointed words to speak. Sometimes we say things, figures of speech, but that's not magical. There's no such thing. But God will give you the words to speak to somebody. 
they might, they might be sick and you don't even know it and, and the Holy Spirit will use you to speak into somebody's life. I spoke to a guy today. I gave this guy, I mean, I was, I, was, I was trying to sell, man. I was a master salesman in that very moment. I was trying to sell. And the guy says to me, well, it was a lot less than what I was thinking, but he says, the number that's coming to me is this. And I said, okay, I'll do it. I don't, I don't hesitate. When the Holy Ghost tugs, I don't hesitate. I said, I'll do it. He said, you're hired. Ah, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. He says, now I got news for you. I said, well, let me tell you something. All I'm asking for you, from you, sir, I said, I want you to just get online and all these uh, jababla, whatever they call those things, Google and whatever they are. I said, get on there and talk good about us after you see how good we work. He said, you better believe it. I'm going to do it. He said, it's already done. He says, now let me just ask you this. He said, do you do commercial? I said, you better believe we do. He says, we do almost a, almost a billion dollars a year with our, with our construction company. He says, we're giving you all our work. Now, y'all thinking, wow, a billion dollars? No, no, no. That's what he's getting. Before he pays all his bills, okay? Now, I, I didn't even get a little tiny piece of that, but guess what? I get work. My Bible says a man doesn't work. He's not worthy. I'm a work, amen? I don't care if it's a dollar. I don't care. I don't care how much it is. I, I need work. I'm a work, amen? I see some of young people shaking their head. I need work. But guess what? Just like I need work, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. And without Jesus, I'm lost. Let's open these altars. Come on down here and just as we worship the Lord this, this evening. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.